Welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with trendsetters who are leading innovation in public safety and expert advice on growing your own post-law enforcement business. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Welcome to episode 34 of the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Today on the show, I have the great pleasure of chatting with my friend, Pat Welsh. Pat is a decorated and well-known cop and leadership influencer. Pat is the creator of the Warrior Servant Leader Mindset Approach and has written two best-selling books on the topic. Today, we're going to discuss the Warrior Servant Leader Mindset and how that relates to the current popular opinion that law enforcement need to abandon a warrior mindset in place of a guardian mindset. We are also going to spend some time talking about Pat's less than typical transition into law enforcement and then his subsequent copreneurial journey into the world of running an instructor business. Here we go. Welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Pat, getting to know you lately and, and just uh, developing more of a relationship and understanding what you're all about. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. I think um, you've got some amazing things that you bring, obviously, to the law enforcement community. And you've developed this concept of the warrior servant leader. And uh, I wanted to bring you on today to talk about that concept, what it means, and and how you help people apply that in their law enforcement careers as leaders. So you can tell me a little bit more about what is the warrior servant leader mindset? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I'm a big advocate of you have to define your terms before you start using them so that the message delivered uh, is also the message received. And I think there's a lot of misconception about what what does it mean to be a warrior. And so I, I want to define for you first what what these three words mean to me, because then it makes sense in how I apply them. And uh, a, a warrior is a person who stands up, shows up and defends what they believe. Period. That That's a warrior mindset that you will stand up, show up and defend what you believe. And it can be a principle, it can be a value, it can be your family, whatever it is that you're willing to stand up, show up, and defend, then you have a warrior mindset about that particular issue or topic or person. A servant is a person who puts the wants and needs of others before their own. That, that's all servanthood is. You put the wants and needs of others before your own. And if you have that mindset, it's as simple as holding the door for somebody that, and let them going into the store first. You know, you're, yeah, you're there to buy something. You need something. Well, so do they. And maybe they might be in a big hurry. You don't know. But if you have that mindset, I put the wants and needs of others before my own. I'm going to hold that door open and let them go, you know, first. And then the leader mindset, and I'm a huge advocate and, and student of John Maxwell, a, along with a lot of other leadership gurus, 
but I have found his definition of leadership the most concise. And leadership is influence. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. If you're a person of influence in somebody else's life, and it could be for good or for bad, you qualify as being in that leadership position to that person. So those are my my three uh, definitions. And then as applied to law enforcement, we have a calling and a duty and a responsibility to wear all three of those hats, all three of those mindsets all the time. Because more often than not, we're going to be a problem solver. You get a call to a house that a family trouble and you get there. And I had this, my uh, six-year-old won't eat dinner. They called the police for that and they called it in as a family trouble. So when, when you get there, you're not there as a cop. You know, you're there as a servant and a leader you know, to solve, help them solve a problem. Yeah. Uh, so you have to always have all three of those mindsets on at, at the same time and, and when to really heavily rely on skills and techniques and, and tools to get compliance or to solve a problem. Uh, later on, I'll tell you a story about a 12-year-old runaway a call that I took and the impact it had on me 18 years later. And oddly, I study Sun Tzu in the art of war. And what Sun Tzu, the words as he uses and the and the, the picture that he paints, you know, know the weather, know the terrain, he uses different terms, but it's very, very similar to the warrior servant leader mindset. And uh, I've shared this with you before, and it's on my my company, uh, Challenge Coin, is uh, our mission is to do the right things at the right time, the right way, and for the right reasons. And what we do is we take that mission of always striving to do, try to do the right thing at the right time, the right way, and for the right reasons, and incorporate that into our personal and professional lives. And it all ties into that warrior, servant, leader mindset. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, Pat, because uh, interestingly enough, when I was under sheriff with the Yuma County Sheriff's Office, that was actually our mission statement. Do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. We didn't have the the right way part in there, but pretty similar. So I love it. I love what you the way you articulated that. And and there was a couple, I think, gems in there that I kind of want to unpack a little bit and, and, and point back to. And the first one is that you mentioned that you have to be all three of those things all the time. And I would even add to that. And I think you implied this, but maybe just didn't explicitly say it, that it's really agnostic of your position too, right? Everybody is a leader. It doesn't matter whether you're the brand new guy who's still in FTO training or you're the chief, right? A leadership and servanthood mindset is important regardless of what your position is. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not, I never tell anybody stuff they don't already know, but what I do is try and get you to actually think about it and, and then be intentional about how you're going to go forward. And so what I try to share with folks is, and it's not just in your work life, this is every aspect of your life, is this is the, the progression 
and you'll see it in law enforcement that one of the biggest problems that all the talking heads and, and all the pundits and, and activists is they keep demanding uh, that you have to change the culture of policing. And I don't think that they understand what culture is and they don't understand what a warrior is as I use the term, but they want these changes made and everything is geared towards conduct, behavior, the use of force, the tools that all that. And it's all, that isn't what needs to be changed because that is not how culture is created. Here's the progression. Everything begins right here. How you think your thoughts drive everything. It all starts right here. So you're thinking what, what and how you think breeds your attitude because an attitude is a settled way of thinking. So if you have kids and you go, I don't like your attitude, you're not a mind reader, but what you don't like is their behavior because thinking drives attitude. Attitude is displayed in behavior. Repeated behaviors become habits. Habits become culture because here's the definition of culture. What is expected and accepted way of thinking, talking, and acting within a group. So, you know, growing, me growing up in the 50s and 60s, the culture is children are to be seen and not heard. So what was expected and accepted was you were to quietly behave yourself at uh, family gatherings or out in public. You're to be seen and not heard because that was what was expected and that was what was accepted. And if you broke that culture, then there was consequences. So in the problem-solving process of police reform, everybody is jumping to the behaviors and habits and demanding a change when we're actually, we're starting halfway through the process. We need to work on how our cops think, what they think, uh, what their attitudes are. It's, it's really like simple stuff. Like if you ask an officer, Hey, what's the mission statement of your agency? And they go, I don't know. Well, then how can we as influencers and leaders expect them to accomplish a mission if they don't know what it is? I think that's the biggest problem that we're facing in law enforcement is communities are looking for quick fixes to end what they perceive as bad behavior when it's not going to solve the problem. It may not even be, they may not have even identified the the problem correctly. And I tie all that into that warrior servant leader mindset. If you live your life that way with that mindset and those definitions, personally and professionally, then that becomes the culture that you will have a group of people who stand up and defend what they believe, who put the wants and needs of others before their own, and who are people of influence. And it will accomplish the good things that that you want in the community wants. Yeah, I can't agree with you more, brother. I, I absolutely love that. And one of the things that I guess I see as being kind of problematic is 
to some extent, we kind of get into arguing some semantics because unfortunately, that word warrior has kind of become a trigger word for some people, right? And and there's been this whole thing. I mean, it's been going around for at least the last five years now, this, this concept of, well, we need to move away from a warrior mentality to a guardian mentality. And well, I don't completely, you know, 100% object to that point and, and what's being said as it relates to that. I've always kind of looked at that concept with a little bit of skepticism, because I personally believe that as you define a warrior, especially the way you just defined it, that the guardian mentality is part of that, right? Mm -hmm. To say that somebody is a warrior in the way that we are defining it right now in this conversation on the show, that encompasses a guardian mentality as well. And so I don't think we have to look at them as being two separate things that are distinct and different, or that one is prioritized somehow over the other. If you are a warrior, you are also a guardian and a servant and a leader. And so it kind of annoys me that we have to get into semantics in that way in order to, to take a stand against something. And I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? The whole warrior versus guardian thing. <laughs> Do you know what the translation of the word samurai is in English? I don't. Servant. A samurai was a servant. And yes, they carried one sword or two, you know, some of them carried two swords, but their fundamental mission was to serve the wants and needs of their community and whoever they're in their caste system, whoever their boss was. And, and then if that boss, that chief or whatever died, then that samurai was released from that connection and they would wander and to go find someone else to serve. Take Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu says it's better to win a war without actually having to fight. And so the strategies and the planning that he would he would utilize and train his leaders in is the last thing we want to do is go to battle because you're going to lose lives. And if you lose the lives of your soldiers, then you don't have anybody to protect your community. And he would say, don't go to war in the winter and in the spring because your soldiers need to be at home, planting crops, taking care of their families during the, the cold winter months. And what was more important was your people not winning. If you study the warrior mindset, you would come to realize it, it intrinsically is encompassing that guardian. That a guardian you think is somebody that's going to protect you, like people that go through divorce. And there's child custody issues. The child gets a guardian assigned to them. They get their own attorney. Right. And it, that attorney's sole job is to protect the interest of that child. Warriors have that guardian spirit. But they also stand up, show up, and physically, if they have to, defend life. And, and you would do it with your own family. If your kid's getting bullied at school... Are you going to go into into that school with this, woe is me, you know, I'm not worthy? No, you're going to come in, you know, full charge defending your child. I mean, that's one extreme. 
But the flip side of that warrior mentality is that you're going to comfort your child. You're going to help come up with solutions to uh, that they can protect themselves. So it's it's not that as a police officer, yes, we are called to protect and serve. Yes, we have the authority to arrest people. And when things turn south, you have to be able to protect not only your life, but the lives of others. And so we have those tools. 99% of the time, we're not using that. We're solving people's problems. It's a complicated issue, but it's also, it's actually kind of quite simple <laughs> that if you, yeah, I, I think break it down. I think ahead. we tend to overcomplicate it a little bit. Truthfully, like you said, I, I think a guardian is a warrior and a war- warrior is a guardian, right? And uh, truthfully, a, a guardian, yes, we want the guardian to wrap people up, right? And, and protect them. But at the same time, if they don't have the tools to wage war, so to speak, how do you actually guard someone and protect someone? And so, I don't know, it, it just kind of goes back to like President Roosevelt said, speak softly, carry a big stick, right? Um, obviously, we want to we want to start at that end of, of guardianship, but we need to be prepared to be a warrior as well and take care of, and, of business right. and, and handle business. And so I, I think that is truly important. Well, I, I want to shift gears here just a little bit, Pat. You have kind of a neat story because you actually you have a very long and distinguished career in law enforcement in, in Dayton, Ohio, specifically is the bulk of it. But you actually started off as a prosecutor. And so I'm curious, what what actually drew you in to law enforcement from being a prosecutor? I feel like that. I mean, it's obviously a very unorthodox path for for most Leo. So, so tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, there's not a Reader's Digest <laughs> version of this, but first of all, I'm adopted. I, w- I was born in uh, Dublin, Ireland. I am the, the classic Irishman that people think, you know, I got the gift of gab. I got the sense of humor and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And when I was adopted in, uh, by an American family, I, I went to, uh, uh, Catholic school my entire life. And so academically, I did well. And I even I even skipped a grade. And everybody always kept telling me, you'll make a great lawyer. And so I grew up with just the presumption of, well, I'm, I, I guess I'm going to be an attorney because uh, everybody says I'd be good at it. But when I was like nine or 10 years old, man, I got that that law enforcement bug, that was really what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I just shoved it aside. So I went to law school, passed the bar exam. All that. I didn't go into private practice. The closest I could get to being a cop was to, hey, be a prosecutor. So that's how I started. Yeah. And uh, I was a city prosecutor, a special prosecutor, then an assistant county DA. I did that for four years. Uh, my wife and I had been married six years, had had uh, uh, two of our kids uh, already. And uh, one day she's just like, Pat, you're so miserable when you come home. What is it you really want to do? And I said, well, I want to be a cop. And she goes, then go do it. So that was in that transpired in 1985. And then 19, I took the test for Dayton and joined uh, the Dayton PD in uh, 1986. 
retired in 2012. Marilyn and I were coming up uh, on our 41st wedding anniversary this year in September. So I'm still married. I mean, oh, she supported me that's to awesome. go do this. And, well, thank you. And so that's the path I took. The lesson I learned in that, because I was so I was 28 years old when I became a rookie police officer. And then I was 54 when I retired. But the lesson I learned in that process is, yeah, people can tell you what you're good at. But you really have to identify what is your calling. Yeah. We're all created for a purpose. And if you go and do a career or, or choose a path that is contradictory to your calling and your gifts, A, you're going to be miserable. And, and B, you're not going to have the impact on the lives of others that you would have if you actually followed your calling. And look at Look at the saints. I look at Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa, she did not have to go the route that she went. And in fact, before she took that route, she was living a pretty good life, uh, family life and whatnot. But she followed her calling and her gifts. And look at the impact one person had on the entire world. Yeah. And, That's you know, an amazing Mar point. Martin Luther King. Yeah. Martin Luther King, he wanted to be an attorney, but the reality was God was calling him a different direction. And he, he followed that one man, look at the impact he had on the entire world. That yeah. was my lesson that I learned. Yeah, no, so, yeah, and that's a, and very that's a good unusual one. path. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, it's uh. so now I guess fa uh, going uh, kind of fast forward here um, and you, you since retired, like you said, in 2014, or did you say 2012? 12. I'm sorry. 2012. 2012. Yeah. So you retired <clears throat> in 2012 and uh, you started your own business doing leadership coaching, training. Tell me a little bit more about that. And you've written a couple books now, right? Based upon the yep. warrior servant leader mindset. Yes. So I actually stood the company up uh, and, and for all you uh, folks out there that are looking at, I call it the the KMA date, the kiss my, you know what, and you pull out your letter, you know exactly, <laughs> you know exactly the day and time you can retire is yeah. uh, five five or six years before that, start planning what yes. for life after law enforcement. So I started in 2006 and I stood up my company and originally it was uh, another attorney cop uh, who we were in the same rookie uh, academy class is we formed a company. Well, I formed a company and he was a, a partner and it was a expert witness practice. So that we were taking all our experience, both legal world and law enforcement and being able to, we never had any cases like the size of, you know, Minneapolis kind of stuff, but uh, that's what we were doing was advising and, and, offering expert witness support in uh, law enforcement related issues. Well, that grew into a training business and less of an expert witness business. So that by 2012, I was uh, the University of Louisville brought me on board with the Southern Police Institute uh, to be an instructor on the uh, legal issues and prosecuting murder cases. And now that's expanded. I've been there nine years and that's expanded to 
strategic management and, and, and all sorts of other topics that I train on. And then they don't offer coaching and mentoring services, but, uh, I meant, I coach and mentor people in law enforcement on a variety of, of issues. And then I did write two books and one of them was, uh, warrior servant leader life behind the badge. And that was just my way of kind of sharing some stories and lessons learned uh, throughout my career that were tied to the that warrior-servant-leader mindset philosophy. Some of it's funny, some of it's not. And then I wrote a second book, and it's a, a faith-based book because of just my my whole life has just been kind of, I mean, literally when I was three days old, I was left in, abandoned in an orphanage. And, oh, wow. and how my life has progressed is just completely at the grace of God. Uh, and so I wrote a, a warrior servant leader mindset. My wife's a, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I, and I talk about the actual miracle that happened in that process and, and just all sorts of other stories, but it all revolves around having that warrior servant leader mindset from a face perspective and, and then how that, it, that guides my actions personally and professionally. Yeah. Both of them were bestsellers on Amazon at one time. <laughs> Not so much now. I wrote them a couple of years well, ago. I, pre- I, I appreciate you bringing that up, though. I mean, especially the the faith um, aspect of it, because I, I truly think that is that is supremely important to not only you know, our nation's law enforcement, but first responders in general. And my personal my personal experience, my personal testimony, if you will, you know, I didn't I didn't come. To, to Christ until I was actually in law enforcement and the transformation that that created for me just in my mindset going to work every day and and seeing the things that I was seeing and experiencing those things was absolutely profound and I truthfully don't believe I would have made it through my law enforcement career quite as unscathed as I did if it weren't for my faith and so I, I truly believe that that is one of the, if not the most important thing that, uh, that, that our nation's uh, law enforcement and first responders really need as part of their tool belt. And because I mean, we, we see a lot of things that make us question what life and eternity are all about. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, it's, it's a very yeah. important thing. And I haven't read your book, but I need to, and I want to. And so I, I intend to, um, I, but I think that's uh, like I said, it's a critical, it's a critical thing. Yep. If you possess the copernural spirit, you know that inspiration can strike at any moment and your brain just takes off running. My inspiration usually strikes in one of two places, the shower or at 2 a.m. when I'm trying to sleep. Do you embrace that moment or do you just let it vaporize? Well, here's what I used to do. If inspiration struck in the shower, I would just indulge in that moment, but by the time I got out of the shower, I would have forgotten half of the ideas that I had. During those 2 a.m. moments, I would just toss and turn and get aggravated because my brain wouldn't shut off. So those ideas would just then be gone by morning. So here's what I do now. I bought an underwater diver's slate and hung it in my shower. Now I can take notes in the shower and transfer them to a more permanent place when I'm done. 
you can get your own hands on a quality diver slate on Amazon for anywhere from $10 to $30. So they're really not expensive and they're well worth the investment. And when that inspiration hits me at 2 a.m. now, I've learned to just embrace it. I get out of bed and I start writing things down or working on whatever thing it was that came to mind. In fact, this chapter of the business brief was written at 2.30 in the morning. So embrace your moments of inspiration whenever they hit you and find ways to capture those thoughts. Whatever you do, don't let those ideas just vaporize. The business brief is sponsored by leotoceo.com. Everything you need to grow your own post-law enforcement business. And I'll tell you, nobody's perfect. And uh, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I was on midnights 13 years of my 26-year career as an officer, as a sergeant, as a, a uh, watch commander. And uh, we had five kids. And I, I didn't see this as it was happening because I was so wrapped up in my policing career. Is uh, a- After all five kids were grown and out of the house and I had retired, my wife finally came right out and told me, you know, most of your career, I felt like I was a single parent raising the kids because you weren't around because you were on midnights or you were in court and, you know, we'd go on vacation and uh, you would be taking phone calls from informants and we're on vacation sitting on a beach with our kids and you're doing police work. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I felt like a single mom raising our kids. And, and I own that, that, and despite my faith and despite my applying and trying to be uh, the Christian faithful servant uh, at work, I missed it in my own family. So it's faith doesn't make you perfect. Doesn't make your life all bells and whistles and roses because my life has not been, it is extremely important for me. And I think that as you talk to law enforcement officers, who have come to that conversion experience, if you will, about their faith and really what they're being called to. And this time on earth is limited. You will find that they will tell you what a tremendous burden that was lifted off their shoulders once they came to that experience. And so it's integral in my life. But I still fail. I still do stupid things. I still yell at people that cut me off <laughs> when I'm driving down the street or something. You know, <laughs> uh, you know I, I'm, we're all human. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. even on the job, you know, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I've told some people to shut up and sit down and with a few other choice words uh, uh, thrown in there. So have I. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but that doesn't make us a bad cop. But it makes us it right. it makes us human, and we have to learn from it, and we have to grow from uh, those uh, those losses, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I have a very very similar experience myself, and and uh, what you mentioned okay. with uh, the amount of time that you were committing to your career and the impact that it was having on your family. Now, granted, I was not 
my career was not near as long as yours. And actually, I, I ended my law enforcement career much sooner than I had anticipated I would. But that that's actually part of my testimony, too, because um, it's one of those things that I look back on now and I'm like, oh, well, at the time, I wasn't happy about how that all went down. It wasn't what I wanted. But uh, that now that I look at my current circumstances and, and look back, I'm like, oh, OK, God, I see what you were doing there, you know, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I truthfully think, and you and I have this in common, running your own business post law enforcement is so freeing because you go from that lifestyle of being being at somebody else's beck and call, working lots of hours, being on call, doing those middle of the night calls to CIs and doing you know surveillance and and operations in the middle of the night, things like that, right? And uh, and then you go to running your own business and. It, it's kind of this weird paradigm shift because you're so used to just pouring everything you have all the time into work that um, you can easily become a workaholic in your own business. And that's something I've had to work on because that's my default. My nature is to, hey, I'm on call. I'm working all the time. Right. And um, right. I've had to scale that back. And it's been a mindset shift for me to say, all right, I get to set my hours. I get to set my schedule. I don't have to do this. And it's still something I'm working on and struggling with. But that's part of um, what I think is awesome about being uh, an entrepreneur or a copreneur, as I like to call. And you know that that is something I'm really passionate about is bringing cops into entrepreneurship because I think that cops are uniquely suited for it. And it just so happens that that pat you're you're a member of uh the leo to ceo community which happy to have you as a part of you were one of the founding members and you bring so much to the table in that group and it's it's really been a neat thing and i've i've just enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more more about your business and um having some inside perspective on that and being able to speak into uh your business and what you're doing uh and be a part of that it's it's been really neat for me and fulfilling. Oh, I appreciate what you guys have done for me and are still because, yeah, I have a law degree. I'm butt stupid when it comes to technology. <laughs> you know, I'm I, uh, <laughs> I and, and so many cops, you know, were I was a, a contract negotiator, you know, for uh, our, the members of our union. And so that's my mindset when you're talking about money and then you get out of law enforcement and you had the guaranteed paycheck and yeah, you could work your butt off. Yeah. At time and a half, cause you were getting, you're getting paid overtime or comp time or whatever. There, there was a monetary effect of working all those long and extra hours and signing up for overtime and, and working double shifts and all that kind of stuff. Cause it, you're going, Hey, that's going to pad my retirement, you know, down the road. And then you retire and you, go, Hey, I'm going to start my own business. And, and, and you're still working those mad hours and you're not getting paid for it. <laughs> you know, and, and that the paradigm shift or the yeah. shock is, you know, yeah, I'm a hard worker and everything. And I'm putting in 80 hours a week and I didn't make any money this week. Uh, or to, uh, to develop the ability to sell your service or product and not feel bad about saying, this is how much it's going to cost. 
you know, and you, and you want to go, you know, God, that's a lot of money. I don't know if I should ask for $2,500 a day for uh, an eight hour training session. That's, that's kind of an awful lot. Well, you know what? You're, they're not paying you for your time. They're paying you for the 30 years of experience and knowledge and, and value that you can add, add to them. They're not paying you for eight hours. They're paying you for 30 years. And that was a very difficult thing for me to, to wrap my head around and be, and not feel bad or ashamed or apologetic uh, when they go, well, uh, what's your fee? Well, here's my fee. And if they yeah. go, I, I can't afford that. I have learned how to go, well, uh, I'm sorry, but if you, if you ever do get to, uh, to the point where I can provide the services that you're looking for, uh, get back with me as opposed yeah. to, okay, well, what can you afford? $500. And, and I was asking for 2,500. No, it's, uh, that, that's one of the very difficult transitions I had to make. Because my mind and money from my career was, it's all contract based. It's all I, there's a pension fund, there's a healthcare, and it's not an issue. Well, I didn't realize how much of an issue it was going to be in uh, in, in going into uh, the uh, the private world. And so I, I, I'm learning a lot, and you've been helping me. You and the guys uh, uh, in the community on marketing on developing a uh, a website and and how to make those asks uh and how to utilize technology that i can't do i mean i'm it's foreign to me but if you and i've done it with you and and i've done it like three times already today that uh i've i'm a great connector a networker and uh yeah and i and and i make those introductions and it's amazing how a simple, I ask somebody, Hey, you know, based on your post on LinkedIn, uh, and you're, uh, you're making a, this happened, making a movie on, uh, uh, human trafficking, a short video or short film on human trafficking. And so I, I reached out and go, Hey, you need to meet this lady who's on the president's advisory board for human trafficking. She lives here in Colorado. I think you guys would be a great fit. They get on the phone call yesterday and it's just like psh, the, their whole world is opened up. And so that's some of the value I bring to our community, to the uh, LEO to, to CEO is uh, helping people find the right people that can help them. And, uh, and then what you guys yeah. have been doing just so generously is paying that back with, well, Pat, here's how you can do X, Y, or Z in the areas that I struggle with. So that's, it's, it's just, a yeah. gr and we all, we all understand each other because we were all cops. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's really what it was all about. That's the reason why, you know, I, I put that together is that I just saw this need. And even though, I mean, so much of it was based upon my own personal experience of starting my own business. And for whatever reason, when you're in it, you think I'm the only one that's, that's experiencing this. Right. And then yeah. I started to recognize the need. I'm like, Oh my gosh, these guys are all going through the same exact things I went through. And I was just like, you know, there's a need for this. Somebody needs to create this. And I'm like, well, here I am. 
I'll do it. You know, and so um, it's it's been awesome because that truly is the, the community is all about everybody coming together, all these copreneurs coming together with their own unique backgrounds, but all sharing similar things in common, the similar challenges and struggles. And um, there's people in there from all different phases of, hey, I've got a business idea and I think that I'm going to want to start my own business at some point, all the way up to people that are like, hey, I've already got my own business and it's successful, um, but I just want to grow and scale it some more. And so no matter where you're at, there's somebody there to be able to say, hey, here's what I experienced and how I overcame that challenge. And it's just really awesome. And obviously it's still early, you know, our membership uh, is still under 20 um, people and we want to grow it even beyond that. And so the, the community just becomes better and better the more people we add to it because it's value. So I would just throw out there to anybody that wants to join that's interested or just wants to look up more information, head over to leo2ceo.com. And that doesn't matter whether you type in the number two or the word two, it'll go to the same place. So leo2ceo.com. And you can check that out and, and join us there in that private community. Uh, all right, Pat, I've got a final question for you to kind of close us out. You've been traveling a ton lately as part of your your coaching consulting business. And you've had the opportunity in the midst of all the challenges that are going on around the country right now in law enforcement to you know, hear firsthand what everybody's facing and, and help them overcome that. And I, I want you to give us as your closing thought here, what is the biggest challenge that law enforcement is facing in our country right now? And what is your advice on, you know, how are you helping them overcome that? What, what is the path forward? Well, I think the biggest, oddly, this is going to send, this is not probably what anybody is expecting. The biggest challenge facing law enforcement today is our attitude on the job that mm. everything that that law enforcement is going through nationally all the mudslinging everything is the mantra within law enforcement is becoming effort i'm done and 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 i i don't have enough time to retire so i'm going to retire on duty i'm here for the paycheck I'm not do, I'm not going to do a damn thing other than go home uh, because that's what the community wants. They don't want me to do my job. And that's an attitude. That's a settled way of thinking. And that's going to drive behaviors. And it's creating a culture that is is toxic. And, and so that, I think, is the biggest problem law enforcement faces is ourself is what is our attitude? How are we going to think? And what are our attitudes and behaviors going to be despite all this crap that is causing disillusionment personally? I mean, look at the suicides, on-duty suicide or active duty yeah. officers committing suicides. We have to name what that problem is. And that problem is it's our attitude. And so what are the solutions? And I am not a touchy-feely, uh, you know, romp through the roses and, you know, skip to the field and sing songs. Uh, I'm as Come on, I've always wanted to hug a guy with a handlebar mustache. Come on. Uh, no, no, I'm not a hugger. Um, but I, I do, and you've seen uh, my, uh, I do uh, my Taco Tuesday. 
mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. I do a, you know, a three minute video and I do a, on today. I'll do one. Uh, I have tough love Thursday, which is the, the message is usually very pointed. Get your head out of your ass. I mean, I talk to you like a dad kind of deal, but taco Tuesdays take action, crush obstacles. And, and you've seen them. And, and that's what the solution to the problem is. We have to identify what the problem is and then strategically develop strategies to get us out of that problem. And, and with that disillusionment that the cops are going through is you have four choices. You, you can retire on duty. You can just flat out quit and walk away and, and say, screw it, go do something else. Officers are taking the ultimate resolution of, of that and they're committing suicide, completely unacceptable. Or you can redefine what's good about being a police officer. What are the positive things that you can do to impact the lives of others professionally? And then repetition is the mother of all learning. You just keep repeating that and building on that. But it's not overnight. There's not going to be a city ordinance that can be passed that says improve your attitude. We have to take that ourselves and we have to minimize the negativity that is coming out of our mouths at roll call uh, or beers and wings after a shift or that. And we're just surrounding ourselves with only other cops and we're just shutting everybody else out, including our families. And that's toxic. And I think that's the biggest problem law enforcement faces today. All these other things, they're stimuli they're, you know, that are that are driving uh, our attitude and we're letting that happen. We're letting that affect yeah. us. It starts with ownership. And that's that's where we've got to begin is with taking mm-hmm. ownership of of that that attitude and that mentality. Well, I love it, Pat. I, I want you to uh, let everybody know before we sign off here, how can they find you, connect with you, follow you on social media? Where do they find your books or more information about your training? So the books are on Amazon. Uh, just If you just string together warrior, servant, leader, type those three words, my two books should be the first thing that comes up. I believe it or not, I take my own advice about attitude and, uh, so I don't have a Facebook account anymore. I, I, I was just getting too angry. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have the Twitter account anymore. I think I have an Instagram, but I don't know how to use it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you want to hook up with me, and I have a couple thousand connections uh, on LinkedIn, it's uh, if you just do Pat Welsh JD, the initials JD, you'll find me on LinkedIn and just shoot me a connection request. Uh, I, I accept all, all requests unless I know it's a, complete scam. And uh, my website is it's pjwelshllc.com. And uh, you'll see services we offer and reach out to me. My e- or email address is pjwelshllc at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. And I'm, I'm open to talk to anybody and everybody and help you achieve uh, your mission and vision. Excellent. 
Well, Pat, thanks for being on the show. And of course, as always, everybody, we will uh, put all the links to everything that Pat mentioned in the show notes for this episode at PSI.chat. So you can check it out there and uh, connect with Pat. So Pat, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at psi.chat forward slash review. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other public safety innovators like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to psi.chat, click on episodes and search this episode number and you'll find all the links, descriptions and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.